You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. Is this photo going to massively embarrass them when they're 21? You just have to think about how people are going to use it, think about how it could be used, and then sort of reverse engineer your behaviour back from that. If you could put all the extracurricular activities within the school and have them run until five o'clock, that would be perfect. That's a great solution. You need to talk to the government, Nia. Were you out late or did you get to nine o'clock at least? Mate, we were out till like 10.30. (gasps) Today, how to talk to your kids about upsetting world events, what we do and don't talk about when it comes to pregnancy loss, how mums can have their own tantrums and Beyonce's push party. Joining me today, we have Jamila Rizvi, who's a TV presenter and author, and Tim Levinson, best known as Earthboy, hip-hop MC and producer Jamila Tim, welcome. Thanks for having us. Good to have you here. Thanks for having us. So Jamila, just to um, start off, we like people to talk about their kids. Um, Your son, I believe, is turning two in a couple of weeks. Yeah, he turns two, not this weekend, but next weekend. And we have been practicing the song. We're like really prepared (laughs) for this birthday. Uh, We're having a double... Double denim party. Oh, brilliant. Because uh, his favourite outfit to wear is a Canadian tuxedo, <laughs> and it's going to be amazing. That's awesome. I've got to say, my son's birthday is, his party is tomorrow. His birthday was yesterday. I'm a little bit stressed. I always get stressed before birthday parties. Yeah, they, there's a lot of pressure. There's a I lot guess. of pressure to perform. I know. And it's just, I think it's just the feeding and looking after people that stresses me. Yeah. It's not actually whether he'll enjoy it or not. It's just, mm. anyway, Tim, how are you with birthday parties? Um, I'm not too bad. But I'm probably a bit more relaxed about them. But at the same time, uh, my daughter, Jetta has just turned four and we had a party and um, it became pretty clear that, you know, that there's a ne- level of relaxation you can take into such an event but there's also a kind of obligatory list of things you got to tick off so um we kind of we've me and my partner we've always been really relaxed around these types of things but we're also aware that there's a um there's you know there's you want to make sure that kids are going to have a good time and and so That's yeah the stressful part right a bit of cooking um a bit of organizing some creative games. Were you the leader of the party games? Because one of the parents normally has to take on that role. Yeah, we had a, um, what was it? It was a um, treasure hunt train and I was the, um, well, I wasn't actually the driver. I was the caboose. (laughs) What does that mean? Were they all on top of you? See, that's the thing. (laughs) This is the thing. My wife was like, you don't know what a caboose is? And I was like, yeah, I've got it. I've got it. And I never actually asked her what a caboose was. Um, but anyway, I was the guy who was going around the park just like, choo-choo, choo-choo, And I had about 20 little kids just following me. It was it was pretty fun. Amazing. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I reckon we could hire you out. That sounds like success. Yeah, right. we're not at the game stage yet. We're yeah. still in that kind of one to two yeah. range. But I'm in charge. I will lead the games. Yes. Just as I, a FYI for my <laughs> husband, yeah. I will be running all the games. I love that. You look like you are into it. I just I just freak out. I think you both, I could take notes from both of you. But let's get stuck into the topics because uh, first up we're going to talk about how um, we address upsetting news with kids. Australia's heartfelt sympathy and resolute solidarity is with the people of the United Kingdom. We stand with them today as we always have and always will. <laughs> Steadfast allies in freedom's cause. So far, we know that at least 19 people have been killed 
and about 60 injured as the result of an explosion at the Manchester Arena shortly after the conclusion of an Ariana Grande concert. That is, of course, our Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull speaking at the very beginning of the news coming out of Manchester. And it's pretty fair to say that we live in a world now where it's getting more difficult to shield our kids from this kind of news. Um, I mean, I think, you know, we used to be able to turn off the TV, turn off the radio, put the papers away. But what we don't realise is when kids get on our phones or even we talk about things in front of them and... Um, it gets filtered into what they're thinking about and possibly worrying about. So I'm just wondering how we might explain um, something that a lot of us can't explain to ourselves. How do we then take it to children? Jamila, I know Rafi is only two, um, but as a journalist, have you thought about how you might translate this kind of information to your own child? Yeah, I suppose I've thought about it a bit mainly because it comes up with my colleagues. You know, I, I just the other day I, I, I was in a um, Penguin Random House, who are my publishers, and um, one of my colleagues was saying her 14-year-old daughter's been having nightmares. And, you know, that I think what happened in Manchester is almost um, a little different to some other events we've seen around the world in terms of how it's going to affect children. Because unquestionably children and specifically young girls were the target. They were the target of a terror attack. So when you're talking to your kids, I think specifically about this event, it becomes that much more complex because you're talking about an activity that they do, an activity that they're going to hope to do in the future. And what is a really innocent activity? You know, I think we all remember that that thrill of the first pop concert. And, you know, we were talking about concerts just earlier. It's still a thrill as adults. Um, And the idea of... Uh, every time that you are at a major public event, being th- this this feeling that you're fair game for for terror is is something very scary for adults, let alone for little people. Um, for me, I suppose it's you don't want to downplay the degree of what's happening, but I think the sort of the reasoned um, uh, doing it by the numbers, I think I find as a journalist is the most comforting for people, and I think the same is true for kids because I think with kids, lying is never the best way forward. You need to be able to be upfront, but uh, be careful with your language. And I think talking about the fact that while terror attacks get a huge amount of television coverage and radio coverage and get talked about a lot, that's because of the nature of what's happened. It's not because it happens every day. It's not because it's something you need to worry about day to day in your life and really reassuring kids that this is getting coverage because it's unusual and focusing on the fact that it is unusual. This is not something you need to be worrying about every day. Tim, just picking up on what Jamila said there, particularly about the fact that it was a concert for young girls. As a musician, you probably have lots of young girls who are your fans. No, I'm just joking. I mean, like you would have um, concerts where you've organised lots of people coming. Um, What advice would you give to people who um, are thinking about this issue with their children as well? I mean, Take, for example, Sydney at the moment has the Vivid Festival. And one of my first thoughts was, I don't know if I want to take my kids out to that. Mm. What would you say, given your experience? Well, I don't think I'm any more qualified than anybody else to be giving advice about it, to be honest. There is a, um, you know, there only needs to be one event take place that instills fear into the hearts of a lot of people and changes behavior and I was speaking to one of the agents that we work with yesterday and they were talking about how 
all of well quite a large amount of the Australian venues you know the the, the larger venues have already started organizing meetings where they're talking about security and, and they they are actually making those changes at the same time um, you know the I, I don't know whether there's a great I don't know how you know responding to events while they're really emotional and while the the scenes are still playing out on TV is going to be sustainable over a long period of time because you generally just relax after a little while and you start sort of settling back into a, a kind of sense of normality but these things could happen um, anywhere as far as um, you know my daughter she has getting to the age where she's starting to uh, express fear where that was a foreign concept um, we've never really censored TV we've never censored news but at the same time we're a bit wary about particular stories um, but I can see it when she watches a, a child's cartoon and she'll look at the screen and you know there was this one where you know an animal had been removed from the it was a cartoon had been removed from the general flock of the other animals. Um, and she just started crying. She was really upset because she had she had made the association that something was wrong. She had no idea what was wrong, but she knew it was wrong. And I was watching as a parent, and I was like, wow, I feel like I've just witnessed a, a really important sort of shift in my daughter's understanding. And that was as much of an educational moment for me as it was maybe for her on a completely different level. So uh, I... I really think that um, censoring and trying to shield is, uh, is, is, is not a sustainable way to bring up children. I think that having children be able to understand that this is part of life, but there are there's rights and there is wrongs and there is ways to resolve conflict. Um, I'm certainly not a, a fan of, um, of shielding conflict, like the arguments that take place between me and my partner. It's more about trying to, you know, make clear that there's a respectful way of doing that, and there's also a way of listening and um, and and working through that conflict rather than pretending that conflict doesn't exist. And I think as well, um, one of the things that you said then that definitely resonates with me in terms of parenting generally, when it's a difficult thing and you don't know how to respond, I feel like as parents. We're learning at the same time, right? So mm. when you saw that change in your daughter, at least you witnessed it. You were there with her. You could talk about it. Like if it's a it's a traumatic event or whatever, you're there to kind of guide mm. them through. But at the same time, we're learning as well, aren't we? We are. And I think it's important to remember, and I may, maybe I'm just saying this to make myself feel better about what's to come, <laughs> but um, I... None of these conversations are single conversations. Like, you know, uh, kids are going to come across the realities of what is not always a happy world a lot of times through their childhood. And it's not like you get one chance where you get it right or you get it wrong in the way that you respond. I think that that conversation about safety and feeling safe and feeling secure is a conversation you're having ongoing through your kids' lives. So, you know, you can, it's, I, I feel like you don't get one shot at it. You know what I mean? If you say the wrong thing or they saw something on TV that you wish they hadn't, you know, you can always recover. You can always come back from that. I'm taking that as well. Yeah. You're listening to Kindling Conversation, um, where we are, have got the parent panel today. This is where we invite two parents into the studio to give us their thoughts on the stories and events of the week. And of course, I am speaking to them as parents because, um, you know, 
We speak to experts all week and this is a time that we get real mums and dads in to talk to us about how they feel about these topics. And today I'm joined by Jamila Risby, who's a TV presenter and author, and Tim Levinson, who's best known as Earth Boy. In just a, mem- in just a moment, are we ready to talk about pregnancy loss? Kindling Conversation. This week, musician and radio presenter M. Rossiano wrote that she'd had a miscarriage, a baby boy she and her husband named Ray. In part, it read, What's happened with Ray feels big and raw and something I need to honour and be in the middle of. I'm not going to avoid it or lock it away and power on as if nothing has happened, which, I've pr- which, I've, which I'm prone to doing. I have to get this right so that I can somehow feel whole again or a version of that. I know that this will forever change me in small and big ways. It was a much longer post than that, but it got a huge reaction from women, including um, Kerry Sackville, who's another journalist. She responded in the Fairfax papers writing about her own experiences with miscarriage. Um, The thing is about this story, which I find really interesting, is that pregnancy loss is really common. I mean, it's one of the reasons, as women, we're told, don't tell anyone before um, the 12-week mark, you know, keep it to yourself. Um, Jamila, do you think this is still a taboo topic? I don't know if it's a taboo topic. And I I mean, I'm coming from a very particular perspective here because Em's a a good girlfriend of mine. And so I I, um, knew she was expecting a baby and knew she was expecting Ray. And so it was a huge shock to to learn that um, she'd lost that pregnancy. And for me, I, I feel like we've always had this sense that pregnancy is a topic that you tread very carefully around and you know you don't tell the the idea was always that you or the common misconception I suppose was always like you don't tell people about it because then you know everyone would everyone would know if you lost the baby and you'd have to talk about it well if you're the sort of person who processes internally and doesn't want to talk to people during any element of that that sort of grief well that might work really well for you. But if you're someone, and I know I am, um, if you're someone who when things go right or when things go wrong, you process your world through talking to other people, for me, that's something I want people to know. And I, and I, would, want, I would want my friends and family to be there for me for the joyous hopeful birth of a baby, but also through the loss part. So I think it's a really personal decision around when you tell people about a pregnancy because I think um, – there's a lot of expectation around, but for me, the most important thing there is is as the woman who is carrying that pregnancy and the partner of that woman, the most important thing is about the two of you and how you two deal with your own emotions. And I think there are going to be things that suit different families. Um, Tim, do you think that this is um, a conversation that men need to be a part of? One of our colleagues here in the office was saying, <clears throat> excuse me, he was saying, um, you know, there's, there's, this is a tragic thing that's happened and everyone has problems talking about tragedy. When it comes to pregnancy, I do think that sometimes we think, oh, that's that's women, that's their conversation, they want to talk to their girlfriends. Do you think men should be part of this conversation as well? Uh, yeah, I mean, when my wife had um, our daughter, she was the one who was carrying all of the... Um, all the burden, all the all the pluses and all the negatives of the pregnancy. She was the one who was carrying it all, and so my job was there to be supportive and to be there with her. And what she needed, I would try and, um, you know, just provide what I could um, for this to be 
um, something that reflects the fact that um, miscarriage is actually really common. And um, my wife's a doctor, and she was talk- and we were talking about this, and she said that the rates are somewhere between 10 and 25%. So if the rates are so high, this is, a, this is something that a lot of people experience. And um, if your partner, whether they be you know, a husband, wife, what, whatever, they're the ones who, who um, can be that rock behind what the, um, the mother is going through. So, yeah, for sure. I don't see why you would take any separate approach to that than you would that role that you have to play to be there for your partner. Generally speaking, one thing that I thought about um, with this topic was that um, the media did in some parts – um, present it as a taboo. Like they said, you know, mm. this isn't something we talk about a lot. And it struck me that I find um, we talk more uh, openly as women about miscarriage mm. than we do about a chosen termination. Yes. Jamila, do you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's very true. You know, it's um, uh, Mia Friedman at Mamma Mia often says the most fraught question you can ask a woman is how many times have you been pregnant? Because there's so much caught up in that question and so many painful memories and happy memories for different women. Um, for me, what, what's happened with, with poor Em um, and her husband Scotty the last week is, to me, it's a reminder that certainly in my belief system that a baby is a baby when it's loved. You know, a pregnancy becomes a baby the moment it's loved and it's wanted. And for Em, this is a painful and awful loss of life because for her this was a loved and wanted pregnancy and it was going to be a baby and part of her life. Um, for a woman who may have been legally able to terminate a week before, that may not be the case. That pregnancy may be nothing more than a cluster of cells that she's chosen not to pursue. For me, it just reinforced that idea that we struggle to talk about these things because some of us have different views of when a baby becomes a baby and when life becomes life. And for me, it's all about that idea of when a child is wanted. That's a really beautiful way of looking at it. Um, thank you so much for giving that to no us. Problem. I hadn't thought of it in that way before. You're listening to the Parent Panel on Kindling Conversation. I'm Siobhan Hunt. My guests today are Jamila Risby, who's a TV presenter and author, and Tim Levinson, best known as Earth Boy. In just a moment, we're going to be talking about parent tantrums. So that was the best song we could think of when we were talking about tantrums. Um, I don't know if that's playing in your head when your child throws himself on the floor. (laughs) But, you know, we know kids have tantrums every day. So is it time that parents got in on the act? Sydney mum Sally Winchester has started a tantrum club for stressed women. Her byline on the website is Unleash Your Wild Woman. Jamila. Does your wild woman need to be unleashed? Probably gets unleashed enough. I would <laughs> my, my husband would probably say it's. I, I have no problem with expressing my anger. Um, and my toddler is definitely, like I know we all like to think our children are very advanced, but when it comes to tantruming, my toddler is ahead of the pack. He's, um, he's very, very good. Uh, outstanding tantrumer, regularly and loudly. Do you tantrum back at your um, toddler tantruming? I've thought about it. I've sometimes wondered whether you could just be like, meh. 
Back yeah. again. No, I haven't yet. I try. I'm still on the kind of the ignore train and the the just. And I know you you feel very sad about the fact we don't have any special rice bubbles <laughs> left today. And I would also feel sad about that if that were my particular <laughs> circumstance today. You know, trying to be understanding. But there is um. I live in Melbourne, and there are like there are things you can hire now where you go into a room and you can just smash up crockery and stuff, and what? you can pay to do these things. So, look, I'm all for healthy and safe expressions of anger. Brilliant. Now, um. I have to ask, Tim, have you tantrumed back? I know, look, four-year-olds still have tantrums, five-year-olds still have tantrums. Have you, you know, thrown yourself on the floor beside Jetta? No, I haven't actually thrown myself on the floor, not yet anyway. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, I I mean, I'm the same as Jamila. This is one of those things where really the parents' needs are still significant and I love the way that you're describing I know it makes you sad that you know <laughs> that this has happened because I've had that many conversations where you where you actually you know you're not telling a child who's having a tantrum that they need to stop because actually it's really good for children to have tantrums and to scream and yell and throw themselves on the ground and it's awesome it's like um we had a breakthrough I think I can't remember what it was maybe when she was two or so when she was screaming before going to bed and then she'd crash and then you'd think oh wow you know why is she so upset before bed? Well, it's the last, you know, those last gasps of, like, energy that she's just, you know, expending. And then it's a necessary thing for her to, to then go to sleep. It's a really healthy, great thing. So at the same time, you're sitting there and worrying about the proximity that you have to your neighbors next door and um, the, 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 the visceral screams of a child can wound you in ways that you really hadn't anticipated (laughs) and um and whatever it is that you need to do in order to just you know get that balance back good go for it you know well see here's the question i mean jamila you said that your partner would probably say you are quite good at letting out your wild woman yeah but uh do you have a go-to sort of stress release what what makes you you know let's say we've all you know the days when they've kind of one tantrum has sort of melted into another yeah. or you've had the morning and then you've had a great day and then the afternoon's just hell yeah what do you do well i like to make myself a green smoothie and then do some yoga and- <laughs> <laughs> I like to have many glasses of red wine. Um, There's probably much healthier ways to deal with it. But for me, I think um, I work four days a week and I have one day um, where I'm with my toddler for the whole day. And gosh, those childcare workers are good, aren't they? Um, (laughs) But I I often find at the end of that day, I'm just craving adult conversation and adult company. Even if I've been with girlfriends during the day, it's often, we're often with our kids and, um, I'm often just really craving an adult conversation. And so for me, it's usually a glass of red wine and talking to my husband about something that is not the tantruming toddler who's just gone to bed. <laughs> Brilliant. What about you, Tim? Um, what do I do? I don't really... I guess uh, the one thing that I did learn, because I, I run my own... Well, I, I, I run my own business. I'm part of a business that gives me a little bit of freedom. Now, I've got to kind of work out my week, but I've always tried to make sure that I have a day with my daughter. And um, those those days taught me just how, you know, full on the role of the parent is, and the mums particularly, um, because I would be so much more exhausted after my day with my daughter than I would be from a day at work. And um, I, I loved it. It was really good. It was, you know... I. 
I wouldn't change a thing. Um, and I, I love the fact that I've got a little bit of flexibility to be able to do that. But, um, I, I, you know, I think I don't really have a, a system. I, I'm not you really sure. You don't take sure. a bat like this class where they take a bat and bash a... I <laughs> am never... cups and stuff at the wall. Yeah, look, <laughs> I, I do not, I do not, um, you know... I judge any parent who goes to those <laughs> measures to do that because you know power to you. But for me, I I've just I, I don't re- I just improvise and yeah. I guess you have your own ways of just relaxing and mm. I never really think about wine, it too wine much. is alcohol. It's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with Jamila on that. <laughs> um, we do have some comments from Facebook. Elise says that's not a new thing. It's called a bar. Well, hopefully, Elise, you don't take your baseball bat to the bar. But anyway, Jenna says, definitely our next mum's night out. And Beck says, I would love this. Um, you're listening to the Parent Panel. We'll be back after this very short break talking about one of our favourite mums, which is, of course, Beyonce. What music soundtracked your childhood? Join me, Barry Davola, for a regression session every Sunday as I chat to some of my favourite grown-ups about their childhood music memories. Regression session. Sundays at midday, here on Kindling Kids Radio. You're listening to Kindling Conversation. Queen Bay is doing it again, breaking down tradition, starting new fads, perhaps. Beyonce has had a push party to celebrate the impending arrival of her twins, not to be confused with a baby shower, of course, which is traditionally a female-only affair with games, possibly some tea and cake. Bay's had an African theme. She's had a ton of celebrities of both genders. It looked like pretty fun, pretty much, you know, just a normal party, only she was really, really pregnant. This is, of course, the parent panel. I'm Siobhan Hunt. My guests today are Jamila Rizvi, who's a TV presenter and author, and Tim Levinson, best known as Earthboy Jamila. Did you have a baby shower before Rafi was born? No, we had a party. Yeah. Oh, my God. Did <laughs> you have henna on um, your belly? No, did I, I most certainly didn't, you? but I'm pretty sure B heard about my um, yeah. party and she's just copying. I reckon. She's jumping on my trend. No, look, I just, um, I've always had taken issue, I've got to say, with the fact that um, baby showers tend to be women-only events, mainly because when I was pregnant, I was so proud of myself and I wasn't okay with the idea that just my women friends should be celebrating my amazingness I wanted my men friends to be celebrating it too so we um we booked out our local pub uh who are Jaffel specialists and we put a bunch of money on the bar for Jaffels and everyone came and drank a lot of booze and gave us little cute onesies as presents there were no games but a lot of the guys who came along said they'd never been to a baby shower and that if this was what they were like they didn't know why women complained so much (laughs) yeah that's because it wasn't a real baby shower (laughs) tim what did you guys do did you do anything i can't actually remember (laughs) (laughs) it was four years ago i know i think that we had something but um yeah i i i don't like a lot of my friends we have um you know male and females at baby showers but at the same time as a as a you know as a dad is definitely a a sense that you're excluded from some of those clubs Uh, I think it's partly in the mind but it's also partly that you just don't necessarily have that same sort of easy flow of social um 
circles mm. that 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 facilitate the that hangout between parents. It's so much more natural and so much more easy and so much more acceptable for women together, um, m- mothers together. And um, I, I've quite often been like at a bit of a loss on a day that I'm, I've got my daughter and I'm thinking it would be really good to go and hang out with some other kids yeah. and you know some other parents I don't care just do if it's it. mums or but dads just do it this is, my, this is my problem I'm, t- I'm just like projecting so much yeah. onto you right now I'm, I'm so sorry I'm all it. my concerns with my husband yep. just and his mates who are wonderful dads and so involved with their kids lives but they don't group together for that sense of solidarity and I wish they did mm. and they finally do it my girlfriends and I we're all in Sydney this weekend kid free all my mum girlfriends and I and the boys are all going down the coast with the, bo- with the kids who are yeah. also all boys so it's a genuine oh, that's boys awesome. weekend, and I and I was like, "That's I want good. You can go away and talk about you're parenting." Instagramming that. The, oh, the, the mum weekend. No, oh, no, yeah. the boys one. No, I don't care about them. <laughs> they can do whatever they want. I'm so excited for being away. <laughs> I, I love great. that. I mean, it's great. I, I mean, we had one of those moments last year. I was like trying to talk to other fathers and go, "Hey, let's go and take our kids away on a weekend." Yeah. Because these sorts of things happen, and they always take a little bit of organisation. So I I get that. But it was one of those things that we almost got it, and it was just that people couldn't do it at different times. Do it again, you know. And and I was talking with all the other parents and just saying, "It's ridiculous. Why is it so much more, so much sort of more natural?" Can yeah, I just well, say maybe that, we just need to get it together. You're right. Can I just say that my husband's answer to that was um, he loves to play the guitar and he's got this little drumstick thing that he takes that he can take to the playground. And he used to go to the park with my kids, and the women would just flock to him yeah. because he was the only dude in the playground. I mean, apparently, mainly they were just complaining about their husbands, but I don't think he cared because no. he was like the good dad. Yeah, he was better than all the mums that were there. <laughs> You are a good dad, darling, if you're listening. Uh, Look, finally, before I let you go, um, I do love to ask the parents uh, about lullabies. It's this thing I have that I'd like to know. um, If you sing to your kids, because I love singing to my kids, um, do you have a favourite song that you like to sing to them? Or is there perhaps a song that was sung to you as a child? It might be the same one. Jamila, do you sing to Rafi? Yeah, I I never really thought about this because I'm not particularly musical and my husband really is um, and is an excellent musician and so he was sort of always the one playing music before my son was born and singing to him in the early days and I think my something subconscious in my brain meant that I would always sing songs from the sound of music like <laughs> Edelweiss is my go-to but I do a little bit of something good I do a bit of Do Re Mi and when I um, mentioned this to my mum she said oh that's so funny because when I was a very young kid I grew up in Malaysia for three four years and the only English speaking video we had over there apparently was The Sound of Music and she said oh you used to listen to that at six months old all the time so something has deep imprinted into my brain. That's, That's incredible amazing. don't don't let her off the hook yet because I'd love to know is it a mashup and would you sing some of I, it I will us? not most certainly not <laughs> sing it but that's not that's not me being precious that is me saving the ears of anyone who is listening I just would not do that to you. Sure I don't That is such you. a cop out though at the same time. I reckon I I agree Tim. I'm thinking uh, about the listener here. Actually, I'm actually just thinking about the listener. (laughs) My my sister is a singer. She's a like a professional singer in musical theatre. She got one hundred percent of the musical genes. Okay. Oh okay. Well look, we will let you off the hook, but Tim, I'm not letting you off the hook. Uh, do you sing or perhaps do you have like a little rap or something? Yeah. No. Rapping's never really converted to lullabies very (laughs) easily. Um but yeah, I sing, and uh, I think the almost the the most perfect memories, um, and there's so many of, 
across the spectrum, but uh, when you sing a lullaby to your baby, toddler, child, and you watch them slowly go to sleep, it's actually the it's the high point for humanity. I think I agree, <laughs> completely agree. Watching a child just slowly just close its eyes and just fade out, it's it's a good thing. Um, what I what we quite our fallback is um, sunshine. You are my sunshine, and um, you know it's something where you get into the second verse and it's sort of a, it, it pezzes out a little bit, so you just <laughs> mumble words, you know. Because um, come on, sing us a few lines of the ones that you know. Oh, okay, well, if I I would, and uh, my wife would sing too. She has a little ukulele, so. Oh wow, it's a performance at your way. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you, it's the it's the introductory instrument, and we can just sing in a bedroom, and it's quite soft. But um, you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are grey. You never know, dear, how much I love you. Please don't take my sunshine away. And um, you would. You would always kind of replace particular lyrics with, please don't take my wings, angles, and, you know, because you, when the verses, ask about that. Yeah. When the verses start getting, you know, into different directions, ah, Zingle Zangle replaces everything so perfectly. <laughs> okay, so you've heard it here. Next uh, concert you're at, if you hear Earth Boys, just, you know, slip in a Zingle Zangle. You know he's forgotten the lyrics. Oh, I do. <laughs> Actually, sometimes. The Zingle Zangles are not about forgetting lyrics. They're just about... Just Sometimes I've got to have some fun up on stage Bring as well. it out there. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Um, well, thank you both for being such good sports. Thank you for coming in today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. That was Jamila Risby, and TV, who's a TV presenter and author, and Tim Levinson, best known as Earthboy. The parent panel will be back next Friday from midday. That's all from us this week. I'll be back on Monday. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Kindling Conversation. If you enjoyed it, there's plenty more where that came from. Find other stories and interviews at our website. Just head to kindling.com.au. You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible, and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.